Welcome to Choose Beauty, a modern salon podcast. This episode is sponsored by Malibu C. As leaders in wellness solutions for hair and skin since 1985, Malibu C's mission statement remains the same, to solve problems for every human being using nature-inspired, patented technologies based in science, not marketing hype. Malibu C is committed to researching, developing, and manufacturing earth-friendly wellness products. This means they use PET recyclable bottles, 100% vegan plant-derived ingredients, and they work hard to keep their carbon footprint small while still thinking big. Malibu C is 100% made in the USA. Find out more at MalibuC.com and find them on Instagram at MalibuCPro. In this episode, Anne Murado, Director of Brand Content Strategy for Modern Salon, sits down with Gabby Bossler. They discuss what it was like moving and job hunting during a pandemic, how she went about rebuilding a clientele, and she also shares some of the interview questions she asks salons when looking for a job. And now, Anne's conversation with Gabby. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us again on Choose Beauty. I am so happy today to be talking to someone who I've never met in the real world, but she came to my attention probably eight years ago when I admired her work, started sharing her work, and have followed her journey ever since. Her name's Gabby Vossler, and Gabby is a blonding specialist, but she has many other hair-related talents, but she's also uh, has a great business story right now because uh, through the pandemic and years prior, Gabby has moved around the country and has had to rebuild her business, her clientele from scratch. And this is daunting in regular times, but during this time that we're all living through, especially probably nerve-wracking and without a little help and a little guidance. um, I I don't know if if someone would be brave enough to do it, but Gabby's going to share her experience and talk to you a little bit about what has worked for her. So Gabby, welcome. I'm so happy to talk to you. Hi, Anne. It's nice to finally talk to you besides emails and you know, social media. It's awesome. I, I know it is. And I, I'd love if you would tell us a little bit about your background. Give us a little beauty bio. Yeah. So I am originally from Southern California and I come from a little bit of a line of hairdressers. My mom was a hairstylist and she just retired. And my grandma was a stylist in LA in the 40s, which I always think is so fascinating. She's so tight lipped, though, on that information. <laughs> Um, I went to school out there for my college and for cosmetology school, and I met my husband, who is the one that's brought me around the country and across the ocean to Hawaii and now Salt Lake City. That's great. And yes, and that, you know, the fact that you have moved these different times, you know, as you said, where he was sort of placed Um, has meant you have had to look for many different salon homes. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Um, Why don't you talk about what you learned from those moves? What were some of the things you did to build up a new clientele? And 
and, and maybe even before we do that, um, maybe you can talk just about how you found your salon home. Like, how did you go about looking for a new place to work in these new yeah. locations? So when I first moved from Southern California to uh, North Carolina, that was our first move after he graduated medical school. Next, it was research. So, you know, what's funny is the reactions you get from people when you tell them you're moving somewhere completely different and away from California. They're like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do with your career? <laughs> like it's over. <laughs> and, you know, in, in honesty, I think I felt a little bit like that at the time because I was so new and I had imagined myself working in LA and having big dreams there. So I had to completely shift some of my goals and my dreams in that aspect. So moving to North Carolina, I didn't really know how to sort out finding the right fit for me in a salon or I just thought like get in with a good name, good location, everything else, they're going to help me along the way, which isn't always true, I've learned, but <laughs> I didn't know at the time. So, you know, the first salon I was at, I learned a little bit of what I didn't want and what I uh, wasn't quite the right fit for me. But um, the second salon in North Carolina, we were there for about three years, I think was the most impactful salon I was at because uh, it was a salon called Glassdoor, and the owner's name is Erin, and she was just excited about this career as I was, and more opportunities besides just being behind the chair, you know, just coming in and doing hair and leaving and then forgetting about it. Um, she worked in film, and she just took all the opportunities that came towards her and ran with it, even if she didn't even know what she was doing. She just faked it till she made it. And it was a lot of fun to work with her. I finally had some freedom and I got to kind of explore who I was as a stylist and what I like to do. And there, I think Modern Salon actually published a little article about what I did there. Um, I had won a $14,000 blowout party with Shape Magazine and Ioxin just from putting myself out there, entering a contest, and putting behind, like, why would I win? Or, What's special about me compared to all these people that are entering? So that really started to say to me, there's, like, you can do this. You can do, go beyond just being behind the chair and you have value and go with it. So once I was finally kind of establishing myself in North Carolina, it was time to move to Hawaii. <laughs> so I at least had somewhat of an understanding that I loved doing color. I liked styling. Um, I kind of knew what I didn't want in a salon and what I did, where I felt valued, and the unique skills I brought were appreciated. So Hawaii was pretty tough. Like it, I know everybody thinks it's paradise, but it, it's a tough hair market, I think. Um, you have military clientele that are always moving, so you're constantly rebuilding a clientele. And just people in general, I, I think it was said that people stay there on average about two years before moving because it's just kind of hard to adjust there. So I found that I needed to carve out a real name for myself there to not get lost in the mix. So I 
knew I loved doing blondes and dimensional color. So I made myself a blonding and dimensional specialist by taking classes and letting people know, like, this is what I love to do. So that attracted all the blondes to me in Hawaii. And, you know, friends told their friends that, hey, she's really great with blonding. And that's kind of how that took off. And from uh, Hawaii, we moved to Salt Lake City, where we are now. And, and you, you mentioned when you said you kind of put yourself out there, like with the, the contest and, um, you know, that seems to be sort of a theme in that you are really strong about um, putting yourself forward, about looking for different opportunities. So building up your clientele, you mentioned that North Carolina was sort of you discovering who you are as a stylist, what you want in a salon home. And then you went to Hawaii and you were honing in even further and really defining your specialties. Definitely. How did you continue to market yourself and build up a clientele? You know, we, we know, we know all the things that um, we're, we're told to do, to mm-hmm. do social media and build up some sort of database and hand out your card if you had cards. <laughs> What were some things that you did there or that you've done since that have maybe been a little bit um, unique to you and that have been especially impactful? So when I was at the very first salon in North Carolina, I found, you know, and I wouldn't do this now. It was just kind of what was done at the time. And Instagram wasn't quite as big yet, but I would, I liked to give a personal touch. So I did. I don't know, for a holiday, I gave like a little gift with a 10% off to my current clientele. And I was like, okay, these things actually do kind of work at the time. I wouldn't do them now. Um, And that's when I did start to like write down my Instagram handle or my Facebook handle on the back of a card. So that's where I was kind of discovering like, what do I do to set myself apart? Or what do I do to not just be a body filling the space, you know? Um, and then progressing from that, you know, when I went to Glassdoor Salon, I felt so much encouragement and freedom to say, you know what, let me just try this and see if it works. So I contacted some news stations to talk about different trends for the new year or what products, you know, to try for summer. And I felt like every time I reached out to these like magazines or Uh, news outlets, um, it really helped not only add something to my name with my current clientele, but it helped attract new clients as well. Yeah, I think that's so smart. And and a lot of people maybe wouldn't know where to start. So how did you how did you start investigating? Like, who who's the producer I reach at my local news station? Did you just spend a lot of time Googling and then just making calls or sending emails and just seeing what clicked? Yeah, so I was, I reached out first to an online local magazine to talk about, I think, how to, I don't know, something about shampoo and conditioner, which one to choose for yourself. And from there, it kind of led into the producer of a news station that reached out to me and asked if I'd come on the show. 
And then after I did that show, I wanted to do another one. So I reached out to them after that. And yeah, you Google or you look on the news station's contact list, um, find a contact. They can at least lead you to the right person that you need to be in touch with. And it wasn't easy. I don't want to be it sound like I was so confident. Let me tell you all about you know, what to use while on live television. I was scared. Like, I don't think I got very much sleep the night before each of those times, but (laughs) I knew it would help my career. I knew it would help, you know, carve myself out and separate myself a bit. Absolutely. And now, so you, you've had those two experiences, North Carolina, Hawaii, and then you found out you were going to be moving to Salt Lake City, but you found this out before we knew that, uh, you'd be moving in the midst of a pandemic. So talk a little bit about what that's looked like because job hunting or, or I actually salon hunting, finding a salon home, you know, that's not easy in even the best of times, but you had to account for salons that maybe were struggling or um, they were looking to get enough hours just for their current staff. So talk, talk a little bit about that, Gabby. Let's see. So while I was in Hawaii, uh, we had already known we were going to Salt Lake City. I think it was end of March, Hawaii declared all businesses to be closed. So, and they didn't reopen that until like right before we moved at the end of June or mid-June. So I had lots of time to research salons in Salt Lake City and I had no idea if they were going to be hiring. There was no like listing saying we're hiring, looking for a new stylist. I just sent my resume everywhere that I thought looked like I could fit in there or looked interesting to me. Um, so that that's definitely helpful. Don't just wait for like a posting that says we're hiring. You know, if they want you, they will make space. Right. <laughs> so then fast forward to getting to Salt Lake City. I started interviewing and yeah, I did learn that, you know, hours are cut. Um, because they can only allow a certain amount of people in the salon at a time. So, of course, the hours are going to go to the current stylists. And what appeared to be great on social media sometimes when I actually interviewed, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a little too wild for me. (laughs) Or the one that I, I won't name any names, but this one just stands out to me. There was no vacation for a year, and you only got five days the next year. I was like, how, who in there, who would do this? <laughs> wow. So I ran into some very quirky things like that too. Do you think that that was that no vacation for a year? Was that their standard policy or was that their COVID policy? Well, that was just their standard. So I, once I kind of heard that, I it was kind of like, okay, let me think about this and get back to you but never get back to you. <laughs> so I'm sure there are other interesting things. I just didn't dig down that far. Um, some actually, I think there were two that they start everybody out as an assistant, no matter your experience. And I, to me, I never understand those absolutes. You know, you should consider, in my opinion, you should consider, you know, the candidate and what they can bring to the table to have a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, So that's, I knew, you know, what my expectations were. I knew what I would do for a salon and hopefully, 
you know, that they would help me in some way as well. Did you have any, or do you have usually when you are looking for a salon, uh, any non-negotiables, you know, things that um, you know just won't work for you or wouldn't work for your clientele? Yeah. Um, again, not naming names, but there, one non-negotiable for me is a non-compete contract. And there was one location that the non-compete was for a 15 mile radius of all of their locations, if you worked there or not. And that's basically all of Salt Lake City, you know, <laughs> that's a little right. intense. Right. Um, so definitely a non-compete. Uh, yeah, that that's huge. Yes. And I, I prefer to look for a salon that has a stylist owner because I feel like they just get it a little bit more. <laughs> And uh, I'm trying to think what else. That, that non-compete just stands out so much to me. Yes, actually, you're right. Um, that really hamstrings you too, because no one can really know for sure, especially when they're moving to a new city, starting fresh. Um, do you, did you find out about the non-compete after interviewing, or did they make that obvious? early on or did you have to kind of go through the process until you got to that information? Yeah. So I, I have to normally ask the question, like, is there a non-compete? It doesn't always come up. And that leads me to, I have a, whenever I'm interviewing, I have a folder of about 30 questions that I ask a salon and they're, sometimes they're pretty surprised that I have this. I bring my resume, my um, days of vacation that I already know about, and my license and I feel like just being that prepared not only shows that you're serious but it helps you really decide like okay is this going to work for me or am I just wanting to get into a place because I want to get my hands on some hair right can you share a few of those questions or maybe if it's not yeah. too personal anything no, that no. would be really all, valuable to hear they're all pretty just um direct so the first one I have is, you know, what is the salon culture like? And um, I ask how the booking process works. Uh, is there a cancellation policy? Is it enforced? Because sometimes you'll see a cancellation policy online, but they don't really enforce it once you are in the salon. Um, is the salon busy with new guests right now during COVID? Um, what color line is used? Like I really go through just everything and then it, I even ask up front what commission is because if it's low, they tend to not want to tell me. <laughs> right. If it's fair, they'll tell me honestly right away. Um, how long do stylists typically work for the salon? Uh, what does the redo service process look like here? Um, vacation time. So really just, I pretty much interview them. <laughs> That's great. Well, and like you said, you know, that showing up and being prepared also says something about your culture, you know, what you're bringing. And if they respond to that, that, that gives you information right there, that, oh, that this, this could be a good fit. Do you, do you look at, so you're asking about the salon culture, but have you already done a little investigation into the the city's culture in terms of like what's trending with hair. You know, you mentioned in Hawaii, 
um, it was kind of competitive because, or, or you said it was a little challenging because clientele's cycling out. There's a lot of military families. Um, is that something you consider or do you think it doesn't matter where I go, somebody is going to need blonding, multidimensional color. I'm going to build my clientele around that. You know, I think I've finally come to the point after all my experiences that, you know, now I finally know who I am. I know, I know what I'm going to bring to the table and I want to know what they're going to help me with too, to have that mutually beneficial relationship. So I do definitely investigate them thoroughly before going in, but there's still always, not always, but there can be hidden things that they don't tell you or you don't see online. Um, so asking those kind of direct and investigative questions really helps get to the meat of who they are. And what would you say, you know, you had your first experience, California to North Carolina. What would, if somebody had talked to you in North Carolina and said, Gabby, here's my tips for starting from scratch, uh, building up a clientele, what would you say now? What would be your tips to that person who's got to start from scratch? I'd definitely say to get involved with the community. And that can be, again, reaching out to a news station or if there's uh, an event in the city and you can have a booth. It just puts your name out there a little bit more. Um, get involved with local fashion shows. I feel like boutiques are always having fashion shows, or they were before COVID. You can even ask how we can collaborate with each other. Um, especially collaborations are huge with influencers, other brands, other uh, retailers that aren't in competition with you. And that just helps get your name out there even more. So thinking beyond just let me offer them a discount or give them a free service. I actually didn't do that in Hawaii at all. So I feel like building your name first and who you are and being a established, respected professional goes a long way. Absolutely. And and to that point, before I let you go, can you just mention, so you and I talked a little bit before we started the interview, and you mentioned that you had um, kind of blasted the media in Salt Lake City <laughs> in anticipation of your arrival, and that you had already been on a local channel. Talk about that a little bit and, and tell me what you shared. Yeah, you know... I, I keep going back to that salon glass store and the owner of uh, just going for it. Even if it's scary, just make yourself contact the news. And they're always really nice. They want you to succeed. They want the conversation to flow well. They're not going to drill you with questions that you don't know or to make you look dumb. Um, it's much easier than it sounds. <laughs> and yeah, just let people know you're here. And uh, make sure your Instagram is, you know, clean and you don't have all these selfies all over the place. And think of yourself as a personal brand. And what did you, when you did your little news spot, what did you talk about? So we talked about fall hair trends for 2020. And, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't a part of a salon quite yet. So 
she just mentioned that, you know, you can follow me on Instagram for more updates. And right there is also a huge lead for new guests to find you. Absolutely. And, and with that, Gabby, give us your social handles before we close so people know where to find you. Yes. So my Instagram is just my name. It's Gabby Vossler. And that's my primary social media Great. usage. As it is for most hairdressers, right? Instagram <laughs> is, your, is your virtual portfolio. Well, um, it's been so, so, uh, so delightful, really, to talk to you. You know, we're still doing it virtually, but, um, <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe when we're in real life again, you know, Utah's not that far from California. Yeah. Or, you know, if That's I can make it to Vegas six times every summer. For I can go. make it to Utah. All uh, my family's still in California, so I'm always going back and forth. Oh, good, good. Well, I hope you stay well. I'm so grateful for you um, taking the time to share your journey. And uh, thank you for joining us on Choose Beauty. Yeah, thank you, Anne. It was so good to talk to you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Choose Beauty, a modern salon podcast. Stay up to date on all the latest industry news at ModernSalon.com. Follow us on social media at ModernSalon on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Choose Beauty. And thanks to our sponsor, Malibu C, the leaders in wellness solutions for hair and skin since 1985. Don't forget to check them out at MalibuC.com as well as at MalibuCPro on Instagram.